So today's Bible reading is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 to 21, and you'll find it on page 1174. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations and has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the, through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know that this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's good to be with you, and uh, please keep your Bibles open as we are... Have a look at this uh, chapter together. Let me pray, and then we're going to uh, wrestle with mystery. What's a mystery? How do we think about mystery? Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, we're not wondering about you. We have you um, known to us through Jesus. Help us to understand that with greater clarity this morning. Amen. Now, let me tell you about a great invention that I made up with my brothers. Uh, my brothers and I, when we were young, uh, probably in primary school when we first did it, came up with the genius game called trampoline rugby. Right? And this was in the time when you didn't have any cushioning on any of the uh, rungs, you know those plastic things that you get your fingers jammed in. There was no netting. But we like to come up with any sporting games we could. And trampoline rugby basically involved initially the two of us, then the four of us, all on a square trampoline with a football 
basically trying to score by putting the ball on the other side. The only other rule was you weren't allowed to punch the other person in the head and it was a free-for-all. It was fantastic. It was a brilliant game. And so this Christmas that has passed a few months ago, we bought a bigger trampoline and I had great visions. It's round, but we adapted it. I thought it's more safe. It's more secure. We've got netting on the side now. You can't fall off the edge. Like we seem to every second time we played it. No one broke a bone. Not once. And it was great. And, and so I thought my kids can learn this fantastic game that we invented. You know, this is just going to not be a problem at all, right? And so we, I thought we could play this game. And so we played it a few times. And yesterday I played it with Ethan. It was him versus me. I'm big. I'm just trying to not crush him. And he's very determined to beat me and I let, I let him score and it's a great game and we're playing on. If only I could have known how much stronger he is than I realised and I had greater <laughs> clarity on how old I am. <laughs> it was legal, which was even more annoying but he hit the biggest hip into my ribs that I'm in quite a lot of pain and I can't breathe properly. He just crunched me and it hurt a lot. If only I could have known, I thought this would have been fine. I was the whole time thinking, I don't hurt him and he smashed me. It hurt a lot. If only I could have known beforehand that that was going to happen, I would not have got on that trampoline. That's really kind of the concept that we're thinking about today. If only I could know. If I could know something that I didn't know. That is what we're wrestling with today. Can I know something? Not just something is kind of silly and a little bit funny like that. But can I know God? Can I know about him? Because often God is seen to be a mystery. God is seen to be a mystery that we cannot get our heads around. And so I hope today, whether you're not sure where you are with God, or whether you're a follower of Jesus, you'll see that the idea of mystery is really important in the Bible because it doesn't just stay there. So that's what we're going to look at today, and I hope that encourages uh, you and challenges you in your understanding of God. But we're into chapter 3. We've been going for a few weeks now, and so I thought, um, and we're at the last part of the first section of Ephesians, so I thought it'd be helpful for those of us that have been here to remind us, and maybe fill in those that may be here for the first time, what kind of things we've discovered already about God. And I'm not just going to do that, because... I want you to yell out some things that pop into your mind that we've already seen about God and I'm going to draw them together to give a summary. So you say something, I'm going to try and make it into one summary about what we've discovered so far about the gospel. So what have we learnt so far in Ephesians? Free grace. Free grace. Thank you, Frank. That's the perfect place to start. We've learned that grace is how we have a relationship with Jesus. Undeserved gift of God. That was the key week in chapter 2. What else have we heard? What other things pop into your mind? It doesn't have to be the main point, just something that pops into your mind about Ephesians so far. 
in Christ. Thank you, Ruth. One of the biggest ideas in the whole of the New Testament, if you're wondering what the New Testament is about, you could say, quite simply, it's about people being in a relationship with Christ. So we've got this in Christ relationship and the way that happens is what Frank said, by grace. That's what the New Testament is about. That's what Ephesians has been teaching us. We're in a relationship with Christ and it comes about because God does it for us. It's a gift we don't deserve. What else? God has a plan. God has a plan. Brilliant. Thank you, Alex. God has a plan. And if we opened up the first week that we looked at, if you remember, if I can jog your memory, Ephesians chapter 1 gives us a detail of that plan and that plan hones in on verse 10 where God's plan is that everything is united in Christ, that there'll be one, one people in Jesus. So the story of Ephesians, the gospel story, is that God has a plan for the world and that there'll be one people, one unity, and Jesus will be the head and everything will be united under him and it's achieved by God by grace. One more bit of the puzzle that maybe talk about today as our intro. If you've got one people saved by grace, what does that mean that we've seen already about the people on the ground? What were they and what do they need to become? They were dead and they became alive. And what type of people are we discovering are in Ephesians? What, what cultures? What groups? Yeah, poor is the... All cultures. So all the Gentiles and, all, and the Jews are no longer divided because they're made alive in Christ. That God's plan is that whether you're not, you, you haven't been historically a descendant of God's people and you're outside or whether you are an Israelite, that actually you come together to be one people. And that's what we are here. That is where we've headed so far in Ephesians. God's gospel story in Ephesians that Paul is telling the Ephesian Gentiles particularly is that you are to be united in Christ. It can only happen by grace and it's going to happen that two groups that hate each other come together and now live as one new humanity. That's the picture we have. And then in chapter in, in chapter 3, he goes on to talk about the mystery of this. And why does he do that? Well, first of all, I wonder what you think of, forgetting the Bible for a moment, what do you think of when you think of the word mystery? I wonder. Just ponder it for a second. When we look it up... Um, just do a, a, a definition search online. The first idea that comes up, if you can flick to that, thank you. Uh, we see there a mystery is something that is difficult or impossible to understand or explain. It's secret or obscure, in obscurity. That first kind of definition out, out of the few that are outlined is I think often where we think when we think about mystery and what people kind of roll with. The idea that mystery is something that you can't know. It's impossible to understand. And so if we read about the mystery of Christ, what we're actually saying is that Christ is 
impossible to understand. But if, if we you look down a bit further, on the next slide, uh, Michelle, if you've got the next one, we say actually you can talk about mystery in a religious sense, a religious belief based on divine revelation, especially one regarded as beyond human understanding. So you can't understand it because it's beyond us, but it's there. It's a mystery. It's the unknown, kind of the transcendent, if you like. What I want us to do see today is, well, that's how we use mystery, and it's not wrong. The way Paul uses mystery is to show us that it can be understood. That not only is it something that God is unknowable to us, but the mystery can be known. And you see there on your outline that we're going to do that by asking four questions. First of all, what is God's mystery? Have a look at verse 1 to 2 with me. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, <coughs> surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. See, Paul, the apostle, his job is for the Gentiles. That's why I laboured in our introduction that, if you recall now, he's all about talking to a group that didn't have access to this God. He's gone to them. He describes himself as a prisoner of Christ because he's in chains. He is a prisoner, but not just in a physical sense. He is totally wrapped up in serving God in everything that he has. And he says in verse 2 that you guys, this isn't something that's news to you. You have heard. Surely you have heard. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me. Administration... It's not just as uh, Amanda suggested when we talked about this in staff meeting the other day and said, I told you all of church is about admin. It's a little bit more than that, Amanda, sorry. Um, administration of God's grace is the working out. It's God's plan. It's the stewardship. It's the working out of God's grace. You heard about the working out of God's grace given to me. That Paul had been given by God the understanding, the working out of God's plan. And the reason God had given that to Paul was for their benefit. What is this grace? Verse 3, the mystery. That is, it is a mystery. It's something that isn't fully understood yet. How do we figure out what this mystery is? Well, how do you know it? How are you going to possibly figure out what a mystery is? Verse 3 is actually really simple. A mystery made known to me by revelation, he says. You see that there? Paul says to the Ephesians, there is something not known to me, it was a mystery, and then it had been revealed. And he's told them, I've told you this before, I've written, written about this uh, already briefly. He says to them, I had something I did not know and it was revealed. I had no knowledge that Ethan could crush my ribs and now it's been revealed to me. Revelation is key 
to understanding our relationship with God. Does God reveal himself to us or not? Because he doesn't just turn up here. I'm not just about to tell you God reveals himself and here is Jesus right now, physically right here. But he reveals himself to us in his word. I wonder whether you know the story of Paul and his conversion. It's a fascinating story. There's so much to it. But Paul, Paul was a guy who, he wasn't a big fan of the Christians and Jesus. Just before he's converted in Acts chapter 9, go there and read Acts chapter 9. If you ever want to get a bit of a background on Paul, go to Acts chapter 9 and read about how he was converted. His name used to be Saul. And this is how chapter 9 starts. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Paul was a zealous, zealous, zealous Jew who wanted to get rid of them. It's a pretty kind of graphic description, isn't it? Breathing out murderous threats against the Christians. That is Paul. His identity is wrapped up in being Jewish zealot. What happens? Well... As he neared Damascus that he was going on, a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And as the story goes on, Saul's identity completely and utterly changes. He goes from a zealot trying to get rid of the Christians to being identified as one in Christ. What changed? He had Jesus reveal himself to him in an extraordinary, unique way, no doubt. An extraordinarily unique way, Jesus speaks to him and says, You are persecuting me when you persecute the Christians. And Paul then finds out that God's job for him is not to persecute, but to go and tell the rest of the world that they need to follow Jesus. And he become that's he's got the number one job in starting the church beyond Jerusalem. It all changed. Because he had Jesus reveal himself to him. And so when we go back to Ephesians and we read, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation, it's not that God became secret to him and he just decided to change allegiances because he didn't think the Jewish way wasn't working. It was that God had shown himself. And how do you know a mystery? Well, that's great for Paul. I'm going to hazard a guess 
that none of us have been walking on the Damascus Road and have a flash of lightning happen and have Jesus say, why are you persecuting me and that's why you're sitting here today? That's what I'm going to assume has happened. But the reality is, while the experience of it is different and unique, Jesus revealing himself is the same. And that is what Paul says in verse 4. In reading this then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. He's saying, I, I am telling you what revelation about Jesus is all about. That you can encounter Jesus when you hear what he has said and what he has done when he came and went to the cross and rose again. Mystery is known when it's revealed to you. Another uh, story of, of my childhood is when um, there was a great mystery that happened. I won't name the names of who were involved in this party, but, but my mum was encountering a great mystery. The mystery was that one of her children was getting a bald patch in the back of, her, back of his head. This bald patch was quite pronounced and she wondered about it and queried about it. What's happening with the back of your head? This uh, uh, son said, I don't, I don't know. Time went on. That's still there. Not, not the, the son not realising, but her mum's mum had alopecia, which meant her hair fell out. So she was a little concerned. And so off they went to the doctor. The mystery still not known. I, I mean, the son <laughs> went to the doctor thinking, this needs to stay a mystery. The doctor looks at it, sits back down at his desk, writes a few notes, looks up at me, and, wow, if eyes can speak, you are so busted, <laughs> the doctor did to me that time, that time. He knew that I didn't have a hair problem. He knew that something like me, for some reason, putting blue tack in my hair and cutting it out and not wanting mum to know, had actually taken place. <laughs> I decided it needed to be a mystery and not the truth revealed and mum could not know what was happening and so we went to the doctor and I thought, you beauty, he's the best doctor in the world. I didn't know about his medical credentials but he kept my mystery. He kept my secret. He just said, oh, look, if it gets worse, come back, but it, I think it'll be okay. Years later, the doctor left, got, the, got the, uh, the report, and I've got all my medical records, and I'm laughing so hard. I was going out with Jen at the time. She said, what are you laughing at? And I told her, I'm reading the report. Of, oh, I don't think I've told you this story. How funny is this story? And I'm reading it out loud, and, and, it's, and it says, query alopecia, I don't think so. Big question mark. Jen was horrified. Said, so what did your mum say when you told her? <laughs> I didn't tell mum. Are you kidding me? I didn't tell mum. Well, you've got to go and tell her. And I was laughing. No, 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 no. You're going to go tell her. That was deceitful. You're going to go, oh, I'll go and tell her. And finally, the mystery was revealed. 
and mum was a little bit disappointed with me. Um, but what had actually happened is I, I, had, I went and told mum. I revealed it. Jesus came into the world, revealed he is God in the flesh and that he died for us. And then, had that be revealed to his disciples, who then go on tell it to other disciples so that it can continue to be revealed. And that is what Paul is saying. You see, it's not just it's not just that this mystery is a secret and then it's known. It's progressive. See, who is this mystery about? Well, we see it's about Christ, but it's more than that in our third point. Have a look at verse 5. It's the mystery of Christ, which goes on to say, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit uh, to God's holy apostles and prophets. It's The Bible is one progressive revelation of a mystery that is God's great plan, this being united in Christ. There's little bits of it that we find out and if we read the Bible and see it for its whole, we get these pictures and we can put it together. <coughs> like if you read Genesis and you read about after Adam and Eve reject living God's way and that there's one who's going to step on the serpent's head and crush his head and he is going to be the one that triumphs even though even though the serpent's going to bite his heel well what's that about there's someone who's going to do that who's that and then we find out that that there's going to be one who's going to be able to do that and we find out it's Jesus Abraham comes and the, the Israelites are born and God promises that they're going to have a great land and there's going to be a great offspring and there's going to be great blessing to all the nations. And now we read that blessing to all the, all the nations is just the beginning of it. All the nations get totally brought up and included into it. Not only did God create a people, the people after a great drama and story end up with a king and then God's king's installed and then God promises that the king is going to come who's going to reign forever and ever. Who's his coming king who's going to reign forever and ever and ever? They're not told straight away. We don't find in the Old Testament, well, it's going to be Jesus. He's going to come in 2,000 years' time, but there's clues. He's going to be a suffering servant. He's going to be like this. He's going to come. And then what's going to happen? His kingdom is going to come near and he's going to reign forever. And Jesus came conquered death, ascended into heaven and is still reigning now. So the mystery is revealed to us progressively and so our love of the Bible is to understand seeing how it all fits together and how it all points to Jesus. The mystery of Christ which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. We are in the privileged position of being this side of the cross where all we've got left is to wait for Jesus to return it's all been revealed we're not with Abraham thinking what is going to happen to this land and offspring and blessing we're not with um, uh, in the time of the kings when the kings were so rubbish how is God going to fulfill his promises we are here knowing that the promises have been fulfilled in Jesus just waiting for it to finally 
get fixed up. It's progressively learnt. Like chemistry or anything else you learn, you can't learn, this isn't something that I actually did very well, I failed chemistry actually, but you, you can't write a formula, a detailed formula in chemistry, unless you know your periodic table and you know actually the elements, right? You've got to know the elements. If you go straight to a formula, you're not going to, you've got to progressively start there and get to there. That's how God has revealed himself wonderfully in Christ. So, what we've seen, there is a mystery. It can be known through revelation. It's about Christ. It's about Christ progressively revealed. What does it achieve? What does it achieve? Look at verse 6. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. It's what we've already alluded to. It's what we've already seen in Ephesians, if you've, if you've been reading it with us. God's mystery is that he's able to bring two groups together who cannot live together. There's a brand new Netflix documentary on a cult that came out of India in the 80s that went to Oregon. I don't know if you heard of the Bhagwan and that cult. It was a fascinating, fascinating documentary, but this guru, he said exactly what we've seen in Ephesians. That this new community, this project is about all people of all creeds coming together in living in peace and harmony. The project that they saw was needed for the world was right. Uh, not surprisingly, it ended absolutely disastrously and it can only end rightly if Jesus is the one in which the Gentiles and the Jews all the nations of the world come under together we will not achieve we will not achieve ultimate peace we will not achieve harmony we should seek for it we should strive to live better together but the mystery of Christ is that all can be heirs with Jesus, together as one body. That's what it achieves. What it achieves, you see there in verse 6, the, six, the second part, your share is together in the promises of Jesus. The mystery of Christ is that you receive the promises that he gives. Being made alive is not wishful hope. It is a beautiful promise because Jesus has already died and risen again. It was a promise made that you've already received if you trust in Jesus. To be sharers together in the promise of Christ is to say that what this mystery achieves is belonging with Jesus with total acceptance. And that community totally accepts one another in Jesus. And that's what human, the human heart actually was made to long for because we were made in the image of God to long to be with him together. What does this mean then? 
How do we understand our place in this? Well, without going into all the rest of the of, of uh, this section, Paul goes on to say that you have a part to play. See, the point of this mystery isn't that now individuals go out. Let me read uh, from verse 7, but verse 10 is the key. And then we'll finish on that and then just make some final reflections. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. Now verse 10, his intent was now that through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, the beauty of this mystery is that God doesn't just leave leave it hanging out there. He takes his new one body together and he says, you've got a job to do, verse 10. His intent was now the church, not from their own brilliance, not because we're spectacular, but because of God's wisdom makes a church, the manifold wisdom of God um, should be made known. That God's wise way of saving us, that God's wisdom of bringing us into one united people is actually made known as the people are together, revealing it to everyone. That is really important. And so the rest, he goes on to actually pray which we looked at in our community groups this week, those in the community groups. And he goes on to pray, and those prayers talk about how they, you're to be strengthened, how you're to grow in your understanding of God, because as you grow in your understanding of God, well, you can then go on and share the manifold wisdom of God. What do we draw from all of this? If only I can know God's plan... You can, not if you get super smart, not if you seek to go into the laboratory and do some research. You can, if first of all you believe that God has the capability of revealing himself to you. You can, if you believe that God in Jesus has revealed himself to you. There's not some kind of inner enlightenment needed. There's no guru that's dependent upon. There's no super special pastor. There's no super special friend. There's no extra delving into unplugging the code of the Bible. There's seeing Jesus revealed to us, coming as a perfect man and dying for us and rising again. God reveals himself up to us via his word. As he spoke directly to Saul, he speaks directly to us in his word. 
It is not beyond human understanding. And all of us, if you believe that Jesus has come, can believe that you can have a relationship with him. No matter where you're at with God. But secondly, we need to see that we're part of revealing the mystery to others. The greatest travesty of a church, one of the greatest travesties of the church, is if they've received the mystery of Christ, the, the love of Christ, they've taken on board and they keep it for themselves. When God's plan is that his people show God's wisdom to others. A non-sharing church is failing at its fundamental heart. It's failing at its fundamental um, uh, heart that God has given them in its goal. If God's intent is that the mystery is revealed by the church, we need to see it as our privilege, our responsibility, our joy, our focus. No matter what success we have, no matter what triumphs we have, no matter what growth we have, we see it as our joy and our intent. Thirdly, because of the mystery of God is revealed to us in his word, I reckon we need to enjoy, we need to engage, we need to wrestle with not knowing. That is, sometimes we actually, we actually just think, wouldn't it be just better if the Bible just said, do this, do that, or God's this way, God's that way. But you don't get the full understanding of it when it's like that. But when you wrestle with it, when you discuss it with each other, when you come to see how it's played out, you truly grab hold of it. Let me give you an example of uh, this week. Uh, Jeff Newman and I, I don't know if Jeff's here, I haven't seen him this morning. Oh, there he is. Hey, Jeff. Um, we, uh, we caught up, we read the Bible. He said, I've got a question. Numbers. Oh no, I don't know numbers that well. Let's do it. And we looked at numbers. Now, a question about in the book of Numbers. You may have never read the book of Numbers. There's this story about a rock and uh, and and water coming out of a rock. What's that got to do with anything, right? And so then, we, what what happened was we had a discussion. We figured it out. Jeff talked about how, as a child, he thought it meant this one thing. I can't remember what that was now. It doesn't really matter uh, for this illustration. I thought it was this one thing. But now, as I'm reading it. And I see the context of what Moses did. I don't think Moses did anything wrong. And as we discussed that, we, we, we saw, ah, oh, maybe it's telling us this about God and Jesus. Now, we came to a really great discussion and a really good dialogue because we engaged with it, we wrestled with it about this crazy story in a book of Numbers about God's people. It really was encouraging and helpful. I think that's why God revealed himself to us in history and wants us to wrestle with challenging ideas because we get a greater understanding of who he is, his character and what he's done for us. I think we need to commit to that more and more, don't we? And the last thing I want to say, um, really, if God has revealed himself so beautifully, 
if Jesus has died for us, the words that Paul gives the Ephesians, we should take to heart. He says in verse 12, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with, uh, with freedom and confidence. We don't wonder what the meaning of life is about. We can have confidence. We don't wonder whether God is going to be a tyrannical tyrant who is a despot. We don't wonder whether God is full of love and grace and just hope for that. We can know because the mystery has been revealed what God is like, what he's done for us. And so we can come to him with an extraordinary privilege of approaching him. The unapproachable holy God has given us access to him through Jesus. We can have confidence because we know the mystery is from God. How can we know God? Because he's revealed himself to us in Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have revealed yourself to us. We're all on a different path. We all may have a different, um, be in a different place in what we understand about you. But we pray that by your spirit, we can truly, we can truly see that Jesus gives us life and that we're to be your people together. Amen.